another episode of the New York Comedy Club podcast brought to you by Paper House Network. I am your host, Nick Angelo, and today I am joined by fellow Paper House member and the answer to the question of who is the next breakout comedy star, Mr. Nico White. Nico, what's up, buddy? How are you? Oh, my God. First of all, thank you for having me, Nick. You know what I'm saying? It's a pleasure to be here on the New York Comedy Club podcast, and I appreciate the compliment. Absolutely. You know what I mean? And um, again, pleasure to talk to you, brother. Thank y'all for having me. It's good to sit here in Pinch Recording Studios. And so far, we've made it through the plague, man. So far, we've made it. Neither of us have turned into zombies, which is a good thing. Not yet, but give me some time. Yeah. Let my emotions keep hitting rock bottom, man. We'll get there. We have. Uh, it's nice that you're actually in the studio live with me. Um, yeah, man. We were doing a lot of uh, Zoom uh, interviews, and they just, you know, as, as nice as that it was in the beginning, it's just not the same. Doesn't feel the same, the same at all in the same room. Just looking at somebody on your laptop, and they look like a Brady Bunch like square. It's yeah. not. It's not a lot of fun. And on top of that, bro. I don't know. I don't know how nice everyone else's like walls are at home, but like mine's aren't the greatest. So I always use a virtual background. Right? Uh-huh. And sometimes when you do a podcast on Zoom, the people that do the podcast they're actually recording it. They're not just taking audio. So who was it? Remy Casimir, who I love dearly, had me on her podcast. How come? And she was like, "Oh, no virtual background, right?" And I got really annoyed because I was like, yo, I went through the trouble of finding like a shirt that popped out of this punk ass color. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I had a red background, like a dark blue and red and, and red and white shirt. Like I did a whole thing. But fine, fine, because it makes you feel better because I guess it's harder to edit with the virtual background yeah. in it. But yeah, I, I'd much rather come in in person. Yeah, it's uh, it's nice to try to get things back on track. Uh, things are opening back up. We actually just had a Save NY Comedy rally at the 4th Street location not yes. a couple days ago. Yes. Uh, you were there. I, were, I was there. A lot of a lot of comedy club owners were there, and mm. it was just a good – it was a good rally to be like, hey, listen, gyms are open, bowling alleys are open, yeah. we can go to casinos. Why not comedy clubs? It's, let's make it safe. Let's make it safe, and let's try to open this. And, bro, here's the thing that they don't talk about, which is how safe you all were before everything was shut down. And I know it for a fact at New York Comedy Club and at the Comedy Store, I can attest to a couple of things, right? That in New York, motherfuckers were wiping the mics down with Clorox between each comic, right? And y'all might think I'm bullshit. No, I'm not talking about like some hand sanitizer. I mean real Clorox bleach, nigga, the type of shit you use to wash floors. They would come up and wipe it in between every comic, right? And then at the cellar, we all had separate microphones. Yeah. We would have to go on and um, plug in our microphones, right? Then when they actually started doing the, um, what's it called? When they started making the changes from the government levels down, right? The, then the capacities were flattened to what? Like 50% or 25%, whatever that first couple of days was. But again, motherfuckers took action that made sense before they were even told to. You know what I'm saying? So it's not like people are looking to break the rules. I just wish that the um, governor and whatnot was better with his um, words. You know what I'm saying? Because his words, I heard them shits at home and on my podcast was, whoo, if you listen to the episode of Potterhood, man, I went in on the governor hard. <laughs> you know yeah, what I'm you can't say, like, no offense, but you're not essential. It's like, well. Because you're talking about a lot of people, fam. You're talking you know what about I mean? livelihoods. You're talking about livelihoods, exactly. And that's the part that I don't think they understand because comedy is easy to um, ignore, mm-hmm. right? People, people don't understand that this is a real thing in and of itself. 
right? There's so many people to get upset with entertainers in general, but comedians in particular for having just opinions. So then when you come down and you see somebody like our governor repeat that same prattle of, oh, well, how essential is it? See, that's the problem. You don't even understand what you're talking about. To compare most comedy clubs to something like Madison Square Garden is ridiculous. Yeah, it's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, like, look, listen, this isn't a, ho- you know, some people take it as a hobby. Mm-hmm. A lot of people, this is their livelihood. This is our fucking lives, fam. This ain't no hobby just because your kid or you know somebody that's fun. That's not the same mm-hmm. thing. And it's those distinctions that make it easy for things like comedy clubs to fall to the wayside in conversations like this. Meanwhile, you tell me what's more um, important to the morale of a city like this one. You know what I mean? I've been doing the outside shows. You know what I'm saying? I've been doing the park shows. And I can tell you, for I can tell you without a shadow of a doubt, this city, the people in it, it's not them. It's not like if they said we'll open the clubs up at um whatever capacity with whatever restrictions, the people wouldn't show up. It's not them. So you're not understanding what we actually mean to the morale of this city. Yeah. And you don't understand that. It's because of people like us within our fields that keep people paying that fucking rent here. Okay? So if you lose those things, y'all either gonna have to come down on rent a lot or you're gonna lose the city that you claim to love so much. So, I don't know. You know, you're, New York is already losing the appeal that it used to have. You mm-hmm. know, like the idea of... Rent Look, got everybody high. everybody can work from home now. Mm-hmm. So what's the point of New York? You mm-hmm. know, it's not a we don't do trade by ship anymore. It's not a harbor town. Mm-hmm. You know, why what's the deal with New York? Why would I come here? Well, the live entertainment. Live entertainment. There's comedy clubs, there's Broadway, there's off Broadway, there's live music venues. Mm-hmm. Th- this is what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. This is the heart of New York City. The thing that keeps tourists coming here, the mm-hmm. main reason why New York even is what it is yes. is the is the tourist attractions, and mm-hmm. if you're going to lose the live entertainment app of it, then you're just yeah, you're Philadelphia. It's, it's not it's not you're not even going to be as cool as Philadelphia because Philadelphia never claimed to be New York. Exactly, you get what I mean. Yep. So again, just the language and how they speak, but I think that's been the problem throughout this whole thing is that they don't know how to deliver the lines. Right back when everybody was on um, back at the peak of all this back in April and some parts of May. I remember there was a day when they came out and they said shit like only insert three digit number here. People died. And I was at home shaking. I was so mad. I pressed the volume button so hard into my phone that it got stuck there and I had to get a fucking iPhone. Because how can you deliver news like that, fam? You don't understand. The one thing that us comedians understand very, very well, delivery. You never come out and say, we only lost. Sadly, we lost X amount of people. However, on the other hand, our numbers are way down. Mm-hmm. That's how you deliver news like that. Yeah. So I think a lot of times what happens is people misspeak, but they don't understand the weight behind their words, especially in their positions right now. So I think that's the mistake that the governor made. And I hope that he heard um I hope that he heard the folks. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And I hope he realizes or at least tries to realize that. The people in the comedy club community did take it very seriously as far as the safety of the people and the safety of the audience. The comedian's the audience, because that's the only way they'd be able to survive anyway. So 
I hope they um, come around. We'll yeah, see. Yeah, it was, like I said, it was a really positive. Uh, it really was good step in the right direction. Mm-hmm. And you know, as Emilio said it best, I think he said, "We're not looking to cut the line. We just want to be a part of the line." You know, let's let just don't forget about us. We're you know, Look at restaurants like this. are going to be able to open, and, and y'all look, shut down with restaurants. Yeah, like we want to be safe. We want to be open. Yeah, allow us to be both. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's and it's all we really. Were and saying. guess what? Here's the other part of it. People still have to make the decision whether or not they want to come. Exactly. Who knows? Who knows? People might be like, fuck that shit. You know what I mean? But I'll tell you what. The contact tracing with um, live events versus a restaurant, I think the live event has it a lot better. Yeah, you have to buy a ticket and put your name to do that. Yeah, you got to put your name and all your other information. Yeah. Right? And then on top of that, you aren't allowed to just walk up anymore. All right? So if people aren't allowed to just walk up and if y'all are proposing, hey, we're mandating that people wear masks inside. If you mandate the mask, you add the go get one of those little thermometer guns when motherfuckers walk in and walk out. And because drinks aren't being served, you have to keep your mask on. Otherwise, you'll be removed. Well, then what more are we talking? What's what's the need to talk about? Yeah, that's what I said. You know, we got we're at a point now where we got to at least try. Mm-hmm. We got to at least try to start living our lives again. Look, I'm fine with the idea of hey, we tried and numbers spiked. Mm-hmm. It was a bad idea. Mm-hmm. Then we pull back. There's not one comedy club that'll be as dense as any protest. I'll tell you that. That's for sure. And um, look, I uh, you, you just mentioned protests. You know, I want I wanted to talk about the album that you just recorded mm-hmm. in here at Pinch recording. Yes. Uh, I also want to talk about your Paper House network podcast but yeah uh there's a couple things in the news right now and nico you and i uh you know we we like to have uh, very candid conversations off microphone Mm -hmm. uh i would be remiss to like at least just give you give you the ball and let you run with it if you if there's Mm -hmm. something that you wanted to get off your chest you know like i said this podcast isn't always about to be funny Mm -hmm. you know uh, i want comics to come in here and talk about real life stuff and the the real the realness behind the the humor Mm -hmm. and um i know there's a lot of shit going on in the news right now and Mm -hmm. i you know we were talking beforehand and you were like just ask me how i'm doing yeah i'll take it and run so how are you doing I'm complicated, dog. I'm really complicated because you have one side of me that's, um, you know, the comedian performer. I feel like I've never been more inspired. I've never been more nervous as far as everything's concerned because you don't know what's going to come next. Right. So it's exciting because of that. You don't know what's going to come next. You don't know if we're going to find a vaccine tomorrow. You don't know if um, motherfuckers going to have to go in like prohibition style ways of performing. You just don't know. Right. So that's exciting. But as a person person that has to listen to the news and be aware of the world around them and all that type of shit i ain't in a relationship i ain't got no girl right now so i have time to look at all the shit that's happening and what happened yesterday with brianna taylor man look this is gonna sound this is gonna sound a certain way but i'm not shocked that it went down that way what i where i am right now i'm i'm 27 years old right I've seen so many Breonna Taylors. Like, Breonna Taylor is in quotation marks. You understand? Mm-hmm. Now, there's a different kind of anger that I feel when something's done to black women, right? That, and I'm, I'm, I'm just that way. I've always been that fucking way. There's a certain type of anger that I feel when something like that is done to a black lady, especially one that wasn't even, she had nothing to do with this shit. You know what I'm saying? They shot the woman 10 times and she was sleeping in her fucking house. And... <laughs> And I'm laughing not because I think it's funny, but because of how angry it makes me. I think it's ridiculous that 
we're under a system that'll say shit like this to us. They'll tell the um, people that are protesting, the people that are rioting, the people that are responding, right? They'll tell them, hey, you all are doing too much. Uh, we need to protect police officers, blah, blah, blah. They'll say shit like that, not realizing it's not the protesters or the rioters or anyone reacting that's putting the quote-unquote good cops in danger. It's not them. It's the system. Because the cops that killed Breonna Taylor, those are all individuals. Fucked up part is, I don't even know their names. You understand? I don't know their names. I don't know what they look like. You don't know their names. You don't know what they look like. However, I could draw you a Bri- uh, I could draw a picture of Breonna Taylor's face from memory because they put her picture everywhere. Her family that's left, they put their pictures everywhere. These people can't even go down the street without people knowing who they are, right? Without cameras in their fucking faces to the point where you recognize them because you've seen them grieving this whole time. Whereas these officers, after this is said and done and nobody goes to jail, they get to still live in that neighborhood. They still get to be, quote unquote, comfortable. Right. So what happens when you don't make individuals the problem, you make the whole squad the problem. So now you're going to have a population of people that not only don't trust the police, but have a visceral anger, not towards the five officers who hurt Breonna Taylor, because we don't know their faces or their names, but towards the uniform that every officer wears. So if I'm a if I'm a cop, just me personally, if I'm a police officer and they tell me we need you to patrol um, this street because there's going to be a protest or a rally here. I'm not fucking going. I'm not going, especially if I don't think that what happened was justified. If I don't think that these officers not being charged is if I think that that's wrong, that they didn't get charged. I'm not showing up because I'm not putting my life in danger, especially like every cop says, I'm just trying to get home. Well, then stay home. Stay home and show your system how much your blue life matters. Otherwise, you're standing in front of people that are reactionary now. And guess what? I'm at the point where I don't care what they do because duality exists. What, what do you expect me to feel? What do you expect me to feel if the fucking people that are out protesting just start going kamikaze? They go completely ape shit, and they figure out, you know what? We've been peaceful for how long? Fuck peace. I don't want to do peace anymore. Now I want to go and blow your motherfucking house up. Now I want to go and blow your police station up. Now I want... What you want me to say? What you want me to feel? I'm going to be at home stuck in the duality I'm always stuck in. Like, hmm, well, it's fucked up. Yeah, but Tamir Rice was 12. Yeah, but Sandra Bland didn't deserve what she got. Yeah, but... Mike Brown didn't deserve what he got. Damn, um, shit, Alton Sterling didn't deserve to get shot like that. Damn, um, Freddie Gray didn't deserve to get done the way they did him. And I'm just going off memory off the names that are coming to mind. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. That type of stress, when you put that on people, I'm not the person that's going to go out and do anything. I'm just not going to feel bad if something happens. Because at this point, you can't get to tell people how to react. And if you're going to keep putting shit in their faces and we, we live in a country that understands mental health, you're breaking people's mental health. And when people's mental health breaks, they snap. It's the same country that told motherfuckers when we were all yelling about Dylan Roof being a monster. They were like, he needs to be understood because he's sick. Well, guess what? 
you have a whole population of people that's sick and tired that have over and over and over and over and over come to you and said, hey, stop hitting us. It's like a kid that's walking up to his belly going, stop hitting me. Stop hitting me. Something my parents always said is never antagonize someone that's afraid of you. They'll fucking kill you. When they show up to fight you, they not showing up to fight you with their hands. And even if they are, they might hit you so hard that you might not survive. Stop fucking with these people. We make simpler sacrifices every day. These officers, that's five people, right? I believe. I'm not too, um, I try to stay away from the news, so I don't know how many officers are involved in the Breonna Taylor um, case. But if you take all those officers... You put them in jail immediately, keep them off the street. You know what ain't going to happen? Shit. Ain't going to be no property damage because you did what they asked for. Now let's convict them. You convict them, you did what they asked for. The cops that are already on the street don't got shit to worry about because you're not in any danger. The ones we wanted to get, we got them. Done. You get to do your job. Ain't nobody mad at you. With the way they're doing it now, the cops that did the thing get to go on and live their life, get jobs elsewhere. The good cop that has to be out there every single day is in a world of danger. Scareder than they were before. More paranoid because they know what they just did was fucked up. And there's so many cops that don't agree with that shit, but they got to show up to work anyway. And believe it or not, I understand that. I understand that. Yeah. I'm a comedian. I hate it when motherfuckers get to talking about comedians, generally. I hate it when people go, oh, comedians are just a bunch of um, a bunch of suicidal, uh, creepy, whatever um, negative attribute you might give to comics because of the stuff you've seen in the news about some comedians as of the last couple of years, right? I hate those general statements. But you know what I don't do? I don't stand in the way of people that are right. The cops, on the other hand, they get used. You look at the George Floyd case or any of these cases and think about what it must do to the kids. Me and you are both grown men. You're a little grown than me, right? Take yourself to when you were a kid. Let's say you like 12, right? You 12. I'm 12. We're both taught, hey, you have to respect police, right? Then you go out into the world, you live a little bit of life, and you learn some things that you're not looking for. Just so happens to come across your, you know, come across your desk, you know, um, metaphorically. And you see, hey, these people that we were taught to respect, these cops, did something that even you as a kid knew was wrong. They murdered somebody. And then you see that the cops, who are supposed to be the people that take care of people like that, aren't taking care of those people they aren't going in to arrest those people in fact the opposite is true they're going to stand guard around those people and then they're arresting the people that are asking them to arrest the murderers if that's me as a kid i have no faith in the police if that's me as a kid absolutely the 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 point that I that I just have a hard time with is I was I was originally going to say you know I understand how hard it is to be a cop and then I had to stop mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. I don't understand mm-hmm. I don't know how hard it is to be a police officer yeah it's probably extremely hard it probably is in fact so hard 
that they should be intense training mm-hmm. and knowledge and learning and constant upkeep on your abilities to protect and surf. Yes. And there's just a simple thing that I, I if I could get across to all my friends and just people I know who don't understand, mm-hmm. who just don't understand what the problem is here. Mm-hmm. They don't understand when I say Black Lives Matter, then you respond with Blue Lives Matter, and you don't understand why. All I all I can say, if I can try to boil this down as basic as I can, mm-hmm. you cannot kill innocent people. people. In fact, you cannot kill guilty people. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. George Floyd was trying to do something illegal. Whatever. Who gives a you fuck? Can't Yep. Kill him in the street. Yes, exactly. That's not what we're asking you to do. And that's not what we pay you to fucking do. Because here's what it comes down to when you talk to when when it comes to people like me. I don't give a fuck how hard your job is. Comedy is hard, motherfucker. You don't try it. I don't try being a police officer. You understand? You have the job that you have. So just because it's hard, no, that doesn't give you the right to do what the fuck you're doing. Because, again, the logic is I have to get home safe. Okay, motherfucker. Well, then can I put 10 fucking holes in your vest then? Because I'm trying to get home safe. That logic doesn't even make sense. When they say blue lives matter, you don't even understand who you're talking to. Because we've found, and I say I say we, but we've found the addresses of these murderers, right? Now, again, we're talking about murderers. Some of these police officers, like in the George Floyd case, they were fired. They're not even police officers. They're just murderous civilians. You let them go home. I got niggas that I know did six years for conspiracy charges. Conspiracy. The thought coming up with a plan to maybe do something to somebody. Right? Yeah. Meanwhile, you have our officers these blue lives that matter, you have them not arresting five murderous civilians. No, you have them standing in front of the house because why? You are presumed innocent until proven guilty. Then why the fuck is George Floyd dead? Yep. You're the police. Your job is to connect the criminal to the jail system. You take them in, okay? You capture, acquire, protect serve that's your job execution is not you put on a fucking suit okay you put on your cop suit like i put on my fucking denim shirt miss me with that bullshit you got a gun you got a gun you got a taser that'll make you any more of a man more of a woman more of a life quit the bullshit because we're not standing in front of the homes of cop killers when they're going to arrest them you get what I mean? Yeah. Meanwhile, you would send the fucking police to stand in front of, for the most part, teens, kids. You would send them to fight people that they, A, probably agree with, and B, aren't looking to harm them. You're putting these police officers in harm's way. You don't think blue lives matter. Because if you did, you would understand it. Hold on. Maybe having police officers at a rally that's not pro-police isn't the right idea. Maybe it ain't. Because again, 
When would we allow that in any other situation? And first thing people jump to, oh, well, what about the property? You want to protect the property? Acquire the, fi- acquire the fire department. Now, if you live in a city where y'all don't have a fire department, because I understand it doesn't work like um, New York everywhere else, right? Have to, Go find some therapists, dog. Go find some therapists. Or if you are going to have the police there, mandatory watch the businesses. If a motherfucker ain't throwing rocks and shit, don't say anything. Don't move. You stand in front of the businesses and you watch. Put on some fucking headphones so you don't have to hear them going, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, for the duration of the protest. Because the way that you're handling it now, the way the system is handling it now, they blue life don't matter. They're treating them as expendables. Mm-hmm. All these cops that are out here getting hurt, expendable. Not because we think so. That's how your system treats them. It's an excellent point. I- cops are getting killed more by fucking vehicles. Okay? They ain't shooting vehicles. I don't see no, I ain't heard not, I ain't heard 10 reports yet of these motherfuckers running up on the, um, on the RV that killed their partner. You ain't shoot that shit 10 times as it was incoming into you when you were making a traffic stop. You don't even hear about those drivers getting beat the fuck up. George Floyd was murdered and tortured for a fake 20. How does that even make sense? Mm-hmm. At the most, you take that shit and rip it up. Yeah. What are we talking about? Because if it's okay for them to do that, then don't tell me shit. Don't say shit to me. When a cop gets hurt in retaliation, don't say shit to me. I don't want to hear the bagpipes. I don't want to hear it. Don't say shit to me. Oh, that's fucked up. You absolutely right. But you want to know what's more fucked up? The fact that these people signed a fucking non-contract. They signed a moral contract to go out to serve and protect. That's the opposite of what you're doing. And you can't tell me, oh, it's a couple of bad apples. Well, guess what, bitch? You fell in with those bad apples. You just as bad as they are because you show up the fucking work. All right? Well, Nico, you a comedian. What about, guess what? If I'm on a show with a motherfucker who did some shit that I don't really care for, you know what I do? I ain't doing the show. I'm not. If I think what they did was so bad, I'm not showing up. What you not going to do, pay me? Don't pay me. Fuck you. That's how you make, if you a blue life that matter, show that you matter. Stand on the fucking right side or don't stand at all. Don't put yourself out there to get hurt. I don't pay my fucking taxes for that. Don't put yourself out there to get hurt, especially if your officer that agrees with these people. One of my friends called me because, look, I'm very critical of police. Always have been. I grew up in the Bloomberg era. As far as I'm concerned, I'd rather not deal with police. But I pay taxes. So because I pay taxes, if I got to call you, guess what, motherfucker? Pick up. But when it comes down to how they treat people and when it comes down to the union powers and when it comes down to the fact that I know personally, I know too many cops. I came up in comedy clubs and cigar lounges. Okay, plenty of cops. I'm not saying shit that I can't literally go to a cop and confirm to you. One of my friends called me after a post of mine on Facebook and said, hey, my wife is a cop because this is one of the first things people do. You take your relationship with a certain group, right? And you use that to delegate how everyone should feel because of how you feel towards your people. Exactly. My homie, his wife, because his wife 
is a cop. He called me feeling a certain way, right? After I explained to him, and mind you, I was talking about his wife. After I was done, he got it. Because I said, hey, man, you telling me your wife is afraid. She afraid of her life, for her life, right? Because this is right around the time when the George Floyd protests started happening here in New York City. Said, she afraid? Tell her don't show up to work. Oh, because he was like, oh, well, she could get hurt. I said, you absolutely right, she could get hurt. Don't show up to work. Because you don't agree with what those cops did. Don't let them put you in the fucking front line to get hurt because they ain't showing up. Mm-hmm. They not showing up. So they're going to put you out there. You already agree. You agree with these kids. His wife agrees. So why would you stand in their way if you agree? Why would you put yourself in that type of danger? Fuck everything else. What if they they could be peaceful as hell? Why would you put your health in danger with this virus outside? Why would you put yourself at risk like that? Why would a system that actually gives a fuck about you, why would they put you in that scenario? If this was, if we were talking about domestic violence, we wouldn't allow that shit. You wouldn't allow the uh, domestic abuser to stand there and watch the person that they abuse as they try to make a case for themselves. That's intimidation. That's tampering with the witness. So again, why are you even there? It makes it more dangerous for you and them. Yeah. So for me, if you want your blue life to matter, if you agree with these kids, stay home and leave all the bad apples. Leave them right where they are. Yep. That's what I want to see. But show some fucking backbone. Have the same unity that you have when y'all kill motherfuckers. Yeah. That's that's the issue that is. That I, fucking I cowards. That I can't get my head around is the. I get my head around it. Is, it makes sense. Is the oh my my dad's a cop. Oh, fuck your dad. My my mom's a cop. Oh, and fuck your my mom. My best friend's a cop. It's like fuck them too. Well, then then they need to speak up. Yeah, because what you're gonna have happen is that cop isn't gonna stand for what it stands for, bro. Yep. Ever since I was about 16 years old, I said I I wrote this in a book for a thematic essay that cop stands for can't oppose police. That's what you're teaching. That's what you're teaching. And what's happening is, is that they're code switching now, right? Because what they don't want is unity for some weird reason. They don't want any type of unity, right? So if you look at how they vilify Black Lives Matter, they have people responding to Black Lives Matter, right? And it's only bad because it involves two things, word black and word lives. That's it. That's the only reason why I seen something negative. Look at how they talk about Kyle Rittenhouse, right? How many black kids you think Kyle Rittenhouse shot during his um uh escapades? Right? I don't know. You don't know, right? But you think he shot a couple, right? I'd assume so, yeah. Right, guess what? Not one black person got shot by that motherfucker. The person that shot him, white. But they don't tell you that. They say some shit that you can't readily identify. They say Black Lives Matter protester was shot. Because if they told you that he shot another white kid, then that would tell you, hold on, wait, that this isn't a black issue, it's an issue. And they don't want motherfuckers to feel like that. Look at how crazy it is. The fact that the president came out and they asked and they said, hey, man, don't you think it's a bit of a discrepancy how many black people are getting killed by police? And this nigga said to y'all, well, they kill a lot more white people. You would think, you would hope that that would show these motherfuckers, hey, it's not a race thing. This is a problem. That ain't what happens. What happens is motherfuckers are so quick to harp on the Black Lives Matter part 
that the media knows they can use that. Yep. Because Kyle Rittenhouse shot two white boys. All right. And when the video came out, they ain't tell you when the video came out that they, they never specified white person shot by um, Kyle Rittenhouse. No, no, no. But every time black person gets shot by a cop, that's the first thing they say. Yep. White cop, black protester. White cop, black. Pro- get what I mean? Yep. White on white. No, we can't. Mm-mm, can't tell them that. Black Lives Matter protesters because being in allegiance with us. Sorry. Is what's the um, bad thing. Yeah. They can't control. Look, there is a certain elite that controls the 1%, if you will. Mm-hmm. The, the, the the people that are in power, mm-hmm. they don't give a fuck about any of us. They don't give a fuck about you. You're human cargo for them. And yet you keep showing up. And it's the difference between people and folk, bro. And how do you And how do you keep power? You keep everyone preoccupied. Yeah. So if I don't like you and you don't like me... Mm-hmm. The real problem, it should be us versus them, not us versus us. Yes. And how do they keep that? Well, the easiest way you can. Well, you look black and you look white. Now fight about it. Yep. And now we're at each other's throats. But that's the thing. We're not because, again, when you look at the, bro, when these rallies started, that first day in in Minneapolis or wherever they um, killed George Floyd, the first day. You knew how black the protests were by how they were talking about it. And then you knew that it changed by how they were talking about yeah. it. When the protests first started, these evil, these, these ridiculous, these monstrous demonstrations. My nigga. The next day, when they started releasing the video, who was actually setting the fires, it became these peaceful demonstrations were interrupted by these radical pro. Ah, a, a reprieve from the governor. See how it changed? Yep. Now, it's not a riot. It's a demonstration. Meanwhile, shit is on fire. When it was just mostly black and Hispanic kids, as far as the media could tell, riots. Wasn't nothing burning? Wasn't nothing burning? Wasn't even no graffiti. White kids joined... <gasps> Demonstration, demonstration, and cars are burning. Mm-hmm. You hear me? The rhetoric changed once it's like, oh, wait, my kid is mad too. You got to understand, if you are racist and you hate black people, right? If you are racist and you hate Latin people, you are already done and you already lost for the simple fact that the kids that are being raised now already seen Obama as the president. They don't see the big deal. Love is natural. Hate is taught. You motherfuckers are overaged. That's all it is. You're already dying. Trying to pass on this shit to the kids. Ain't gonna work. But if it keeps going the way that it's going, it's going to get fucking dangerous. And if it does get dangerous, the people that are reacting owe you no explanation. They owe you no explanation. You didn't understand it when it was peaceful. So because you didn't understand it when it was peaceful, don't tell them what to do if it gets violent. You shut the fuck up and we'll donate to whatever we donate to if we decide to donate to anything. You cannot, you won't keep being able to do that to these kids. You won't. What part do they not understand? These are children. They found your address and showed up 
and they showed up only to scare you. You don't have too much longer before these motherfuckers start going into your house. You can't keep killing people's kids, fam. You can't. Because guess what? If any of this, any of it, were the reverse, because this is what people don't, don't understand. Here's the duality of it. If George Floyd and five other people did to one cop what those five cops did to George Floyd, the cops would have ran in that bitch and killed George Floyd and everybody in his house. And you know what we would have said? Yep. And that's where I am with it. I don't want to hear shit. Whatever happens, if you ain't going to do it right, well, that's what happened. You ain't going to get nothing from me. Would I be sad if some crazy shit went down? Of course. But what you want from me? I've seen a hundred George Floyds. I've seen a hundred Breonna Taylors. I've personally seen George Floyds. Those shit's in quotation marks for me. People that look like me have to walk around knowing when they see a cop that, you know, if that motherfucker had crazy, I could be, I could be any of the people that I just named. It don't gotta be George Floyd, but Tamir Rice could be any of the thousands, hundreds, hundreds of thousands. We're a country that goes to war for less. In the last 10 years, more unarmed people have died in police custody as a direct result of police actions than the number of people that died in 9-11. We went to the Middle East and decimated how many people? So if war breaks out here, after all this time, motherfuckers been peaceful. What do you want me to say? We've been so peaceful that motherfuckers are wondering, like, are y'all retarded? Because over here, we'd have been got rid of these motherfuckers. Yeah. I don't know what people want. You wanted peace and got peace and then spit in the face of peace. You best to come around. Otherwise, the people that are afraid of you are going to start Acting, not reacting. They're going to start acting. And y'all can't fuck with them. Never make peaceful people fight. Never do that. Because you'll fuck around and find something out. Those peaceful people were ready to get every bit as violent as you were. And to the folks that are being used, and this is what I mean when I say being used. The 1%, that top 1%, is a very small group of people. Very, very small. We talking about maybe 100 people, right? Now, usually in conversation about stuff like this, it's usually black, white, right? I understand it's a lot more gray, but that's a theory that I have. One of the questions that comes up a lot is that people ask black people, like, off to the side and whatnot, like, you know, how have you guys not, like, y'all don't want revenge? Like, how? Why? The one thing that motherfuckers worry about, black vengeance. The reason that we don't want it is because we understand one very important thing. The term white people, right? I use that term a lot. I use it a lot. Always have. And I remember I didn't notice until about eighth grade that some white folks would get mad about that. Right? Like, what do you mean white people? Blah, blah, blah. And it's like, oh, I'm not even talking to you or about you when I say white people. White people, in my opinion are the couple of folks that are actually in some form of power in this country. 
right? And I'm not talking about in media, none of that bullshit. No, 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 no. I'm talking about in the actual fabric of our society. Laws, politics, the people that are powerful within that shit, the people that are in charge of certain systems like the police system, the justice system, so on and so forth, right? It's only about maybe 100, maybe up to 500 people, right? Those folks have done one thing the whole time. And that's not just in this country, in any country. They create division because you make the people that are most alike fight against each other. So when you ask why black people don't want vengeance and when we talk about white people and all white people get offended, we ain't even talking about y'all because y'all are white folk. You understand? The difference between white folk and white people is that white folk make up the majority. You understand? Mm -hmm. They're a part of the system we're a part of. Me, you, everybody. We're all a part of this shit, right? The system hides behind the white folks that they scared because they know those folks are going to show up and be like, you motherfuckers ain't walking here. You ain't doing this shit. And they know if like a quote unquote war breaks out, that's their army. That's who they take advantage of. They scare those people into thinking that Black Lives Matter somehow wants to do something to their house. Yeah. Which is senseless. Makes no sense. They're the people that tell that radicalized motherfuckers like Dylan Roof, like, black men are here to take all the white women. What? What? What are you talking about? But that's so you'll show up and you'll stand in the way. But you're standing in the way of you. They're not on your side. And I can prove it because the f- cops that they had standing in front of um, uh, the George Floyd's murderer's home, it wasn't the four of the cops that was with them. It was cops that ain't had shit to do with that shit. And that right there is the difference, because if any of those cops would have got hurt, if any of those cops would have gotten killed, if any of those cops would have fallen victim to an unfortunate accident. The five cops that are actual murderers would just be at home getting protected. Why those police officers' families would be getting terrible news. And that would breed a hatred for that family, for the people that were protesting, that had every right to protest. You get what I mean? It's this weird, vicious cycle that they're taking yep. advantage of. The yep. sad part is you think because you put on a fucking shirt that happens to be blue that that makes you a blue life that makes no sense makes no sense not a comic life my nigga it doesn't make sense if i walk around screaming comedy lies matter you'd smack the shit out of me i was born nico white you were born however you were born with whatever name you were born whatever name you chose to stick with however you're a person so miss me with that bullshit. The reason Black Lives Matter is even said is because of the immediate discrepancy about y'all are murdering, viciously murdering children, men. There's a term called buck breaking. That I want everybody that's listening to this podcast, I want y'all to look it up. Look up buck breaking. Because you would want to ask yourself why in a so-called civilized country would they even show that type of shit on TV? Why? This is graphic. This is graphic. No. Why would you show some shit like that over and over and over and over again? Look, 
There's some people that are gonna listen to this that have cop family. That when I said fuck yo fuck yo dad, they they already turned the podcast off, dog. Mm-hmm. They already turned it off, right? They ain't even get to this part. Meanwhile, by that same token, what I'm saying to you is, I care so much about those people that I don't want them to be targets because the interlopers, the people that take advantage of their job. They take advantage of the uniform that they put on. Why should you have to face consequences for those folks? Why should you have to go out and put your life on the line and stand in the way of people that you probably agree with? Because you would never do that or you would never allow that if it were the other way around. If a whole community went, if a cop got killed and a whole community went and stood in front of the fucking police and said, nope, you can't take them in. Why? Because you're going to have to wait till a fucking grand jury or somebody says something, right? We ain't letting you do it. They'd run you the fuck over to get that person. So when we talk about what's the solution, training, sure, training is a solution, but the whole system is racist. Nico, how can you say that? Because of how it was fucking born. Miss me with the shit. It was born out of the overseer system. The overseers went to go get slaves back. All right? These are the same people that when Andrew Jackson had um, slaves run away from him, they would find them. And if there was a ward out for the slave, like something like Andrew Jackson's rule was, if you catch any of my escaped slaves, give them 300 lashes. 300 lashes to kill a man. That was the fucking overseer's job. That's what you were born out of. And that's why the job sucks. And that's why, knowing that, I can tell you without a shadow of a doubt, fuck the police. Because you were born rotten. You were born rotten. Because guess what? All the cops that are in the system, they all know a bad cop. They all know a bad cop. They all know a bad cop like we all know bad comics. You know what I'm saying? There's working comics that if you ask us all about, honestly, we might go, oh, really? Hmm, I don't see it. Just like if you ask any cop, they'll tell you that one cop's like, now that motherfucker right there should have been fired a long time ago. And we know that. Just like I talked to a cop that told me, I was like, yeah, man, uh, they said crime's going up in the um, city. It was like, yeah, huh, crime's going up because we ain't getting to the scenes fast enough. Motherfuckers are literally not showing up as soon as they would have before. Didn't think I knew that. Yeah. One of my homies is currently on, the, um, on a force somewhere in this country. And it's been told to them, y'all can show up a couple minutes later. Yeah. So that's the type of shit that's going around in certain departments. They pushed that old man that I thought was Joe Biden. They pushed him and he hit his head, cracked his skull. And these same police that we pay taxes to, you know, they all stood together not to get the person that pushed the old man down in trouble. No, 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 no. In solidarity with the person that pushed the old man down. The whole shit is rotten. Mm hmm. So you can't say it's a few bad apples. No, there's bacteria in the barrel. The apples get spoiled as soon as they get inside that shit. Even the ones with good intentions because they're stuck under all them bad apples. And if ever they try to say something, they get tossed out the fucking barrel. And who who wants that? Yep, that's a great analogy. You know, that was the that was the thing I wanted to say, too, is like not all cops are bad, but some of them are. 
And that's the fucking problem. The problem is the ones that are bad aren't getting in any trouble. Yep. So all that happens is that the good cops get the bad cops press and the bad cops ass whooping. Yep. And then you get people like me that honestly can't care. I can't give a fuck because you didn't give a fuck when they shot Tamir Rice in two seconds. And because I've never seen a video of a cop getting a motherfucker off of somebody, I've never seen a good cop get on, get on top of a bad cop and pull them off of a good person. I've never seen it. So because I've never seen it, I don't give a fuck when I see y'all receive the same energy. I can't care. You've numbed me. I'm numb to your struggle. I don't want anything bad to happen to you. All right? I don't want anything bad to happen to anybody. However, you can't keep killing people's children on tape and getting away with it. Because if you'd stand with that shit, you're going to stand for that shit. So if that's what you stand for and people react violently to it, how can I care? Just like if a motherfucker shoot at the cops and the cops blow them to smithereens. How can I care? So that's where I am right now. Mm. There's some good um, caramel pudding latte I got from that spot. <laughs> oh, the king Y'all of need to try that shit. The king of transitions right there. Well, Nico, listen, I... I how long have we been talking? I'm sorry. We've been talking a while. We might make this two episodes, but look, mm-hmm. I don't want to. I didn't want to. I didn't want to cut you off. I didn't want to try to switch gears. I think these are very important topics to be discussed, mm-hmm. and I think you know, just because this is a comedy podcast and you know you're a comedian, doesn't mean you don't have real thoughts and real feelings. Yeah. And I want, and- I want to give you, and mm-hmm. I want to give other comics a. a an outlet and a yeah. voice and I'm, I'm glad that you came in and I'm glad you shared your thoughts and I Brother, think you I, make I appreciate a, you man incredible points um but but with that being said mm-hmm. you know let's kind of let's kind of switch gears you let's know, jump into some other shit let's talk about some things you, man you take all that all what's going on and all those feelings and emotions mm-hmm. and you as a comedian use that for material yeah you recently just recorded an album <laughs> Inside pinch recording to a roaring crowd of no one. A roaring crowd of cameras, nigga. There's nobody. Me. me, Let's get into that. Tell me what your thought process was getting into that. Why you did it. What you did. What you're expecting. Okay. So, um, over the, um... Over the pandemic, I felt a whole lot of emotions, right? From complete and utter sadness to shock to disappointment because I had a lot of stuff that was coming up this year for myself in particularly. So it put me in a bit of a dark space, right? And then around the time that I put out my album on my birthday in May, and y'all go check out Marcellus if you can. It's my um, second album, M-A-R-S-T-E-L-L-U-S, available anywhere and everywhere albums are, you know, so... um, after I put that out, the George Floyd stuff happened, right? The Breonna Taylor stuff, all this news, and I got really, I don't, upset ain't the word, but I felt a lot of ways about a lot of shit, and I wanted to be able to say something, right? And I watched this Lil Wayne documentary. My weed guy was telling me about it, right? Now, he was telling me about the documentary and how, like, yo, Wayne's a crazy person because he started fucking at 11, blah, blah, blah. You got to see this documentary. I'm like, oh, okay, I'll watch the documentary. So I'm watching the doc, and I'm trying to see if Wayne is crazy. But there's a part in it, right? There's a part in it where Wayne's going to record this song called Band From TV. It's one of my favorite songs off the No Ceilings um, mixtape. And he walks into 
a studio. It's just him, a microphone. And he, the way he does his music is that he'll do a couple bars and then take a rest. He doesn't write anything. He'll do a couple bars, he'll take a rest, and then he'll go do the other bars after he thought about it for a second, right? So I watched him do that, and I was like, shit, why can't I do that? Go into the studio and lay some, um, lay some jokes to Mike like it's some um, music, right? And after having the idea, I... Man, I mulled over that shit so much because it's it's different from how I've ever done anything, right? And I reached out to Mike Lavin, the homeless pimp. He said he'd be down to shoot it. I reached out to Scott, who's one of the owners of New York Comedy Club, and I asked him if he'd be willing to run the sound. Everybody that I reached to said yes, and everybody that I reached to is very, very elite in their field. Scott's the best person I know on audio, you know what I'm saying? Mike Lavin's one of the best... Um, cinematographers I know period so when I got good people to agree to it I thought I had something that was worthwhile in the first place and then as we got closer to it and we started mapping it out I knew there wasn't going to be any audience present right that would just be delivering my lines to the microphone on this taste in this case to the camera which made me nervous because I'm like the way I get my rhythm, the way I get um into shit, the way I know I can go this far is usually because the audience is right here. Then I start thinking about it like, man, that's true. However, I just came off of doing all these Zoom shows and all that stuff that I didn't really like. And it's not like people weren't on mute for the Zoom shows. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. So I was like, if... They can't get the joke because they're not there. Ain't that more on me? Exactly. You know what I mean? Ain't that more on me? So why not take a chance, right? And I came in here and they let me do do the thing. And man, I think we got I think we got something. I put a whole lot of heart into it. It's different from how I've ever done anything. You know what I'm saying? Stand up wise. So I'm glad that we got it. I'm titling it. It's either going to be called Dark Outside or Dark Out. I'm caught in between the two. I might go Dark Outside, but Dark Out is like pulling me right now. Yeah. You know, but what it what it's going to be is it's going to be the material that I've thought of and acquired throughout this time during the COVID stuff. Some of my perspective on that. A lot of my perspective on what I think of the cop shit. And I really hope it resonates with people. You know what I mean? It's not my standard type of shit. Not at all. But... It's almost better that way that it's not that. You know what I'm saying? It's a weird time. I did something weird, and I really, really hope people like it. And it's it's all like new material, right? You didn't like recycle mm-hmm. jokes or anything. It's almost- no, it's it's nothing that I've ever put out before. And would you call it completely different? Like you kind of just alluded to it. Would you call it completely different from your your standup? Like if I'm a if I'm a Nico White fan because mm-hmm. I've gone to the New York Comedy Club and I've mm-hmm. seen them or I've seen you on on laugh tracks. Yeah, you know. If you see, is it completely different from that? No, or, no, no. It? I'm definitely still me in that. You know what I'm saying? And if you see me, there's certain bits that you'll see on this that you've probably seen me work out before. Like I put the catcalling bit on this thing. You know what I'm saying? The bit about um Dominicans not liking to admit how black they are. That's a joke I don't even really do that much anymore. It was one of my um. It was from my first special, as a matter of fact. I bought that back because it's like these things are directly related to where my mood is right now. Yeah. But most of that stuff is new shit. Like the my favorite bit of it all is the COVID test bit. You know what I'm saying? That's really the experience that I had going to get that test. 
know what I'm saying? Going in, not really knowing what to expect. At first, not going because I thought you had to pay for it and I'm not insured. Um, finding out that, yeah, when they tell you what's going to happen, you should probably listen to them nurses, fam. Because they know what's going to happen. They've done this a lot. You're not immune because you're trying to be cool and flirty. You know what I'm saying? Um, but, man, it's um, it's not any... You're not getting a completely different me. The way that I'm getting it to you is different. Yeah, okay. You know what I'm saying? I'm telling some stories that I usually wouldn't tell without an audience present because I'm opening up about some shit that's kind of embarrassing. You know what I'm saying? I closed the, um, I closed the piece with a story about how... Um, I used to take care of my grandma, right? Which is something I don't open up a lot about. But I used to take care of my grandma, me and my mom. And when I say that, I mean take care of her the whole way. I stopped by the nursing home to get money for my birthday and some shit like that. No, no, no. I mean, grandma's in a wheelchair. Whatever she needed done, she needed done. Mm-hmm. We do it for her. When it came time to clean her up, little Nico learned how to do all that shit at 12. You know what I'm saying? How to take care of... Um, a woman's area and all that shit and make sure it was clean and right. Yeah, I learned that at 12, dog. Yeah. It's a couple of years before I was actually getting inside some. You know what I mean? Yeah, okay. And just that perspective and I didn't go too, too deep into it because we got to put out specials when shit comes back but I started opening that book a little bit. You know what I'm saying? There's a lot of stories that I have that's like that too that I don't get to share too much. So I figured for this, why not? Why not? Maybe look a little crazy. I'm gangly and weird looking anyway. Why not? Let's embrace some shit and do something fun. Well, I love it. I love the the bravery of it. And uh, I, you know, oh, that shit ain't brave. Just yeah, <laughs> doing something new though in this time. Yeah, that's. I mean, it takes something. Yeah. It takes a little bit of some balls. I you tell know? you this, it is scary. Yeah. So yeah, it's scary. It, it, there's there's a sense of bravery to it, and mm-hmm. I know you j- you just alluded to it. So I'm um I hope. Mm-hmm. That you know, I I'm pretty positive that this is going to come out and it's going to be it's going to be great. Thank okay? you, man. You know, we're gonna you're gonna call it uh, it's dark outside or dark out, mm-hmm. and I hope that when things kind of open back up, mm-hmm. you do a special in front of people. Yes, and you talk about fun, silly things about love and hanging yes. out, and you call it, it's bright outside. Yeah, 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 you yeah, know? yeah. There I go again, giving out ideas for free. Yeah. You know, that's what I do. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'm looking forward to that, man. Like yeah, that's, man. And, that's, and I, I'm excited to watch this. I'm excited Thank to you. see it come out. Uh, Mike Lavin's fantastic. We've talked about him. Fantastic. On the uh, podcast before, mm-hmm. The Homeless Pimp. He he is tremendous. Tremendous Behind the dog. camera. So I know the quality and the content of it, mm-hmm. it's, it's going to be great. So I'm looking forward to it. Do you have a tentative release date? I don't have a tentative release date yet because I still want to see what my, Mike's. Uh, Mike has an idea of a way we could turn this into two projects. Oh, okay. Right? To where. Um, so here's how we did it. When we got here into the studio, right? And I wish you guys could see this. Um, we got here to the studio and we set up a couple things, right? So I ran the set three times. And. I know we already over time. There's going to have to be two episodes. But this is probably the, my, the thing I'm proudest of the most from the whole night. People don't know. I get very nervous for shit like this, right? Because to me, the one thing that matters the most is the group of people that enjoy my shit, right? Whatever thousand of those, that's my rock. You know what I'm saying? I'm doing comedy since I'm 14. So the way that I come up with um, my confidence, the way that I come up with my worth as far as how I feel about the shit I put out is that core group i got about there's 10 people that i'm gonna send it to before i put it out to see what they say they're colleagues of mine and then 
is the core group, that first audience, right? To where as long as they like it, then I know that I haven't done a wrong move. You get what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it's for those folks. It's for the people that like me. And I hope that by the time we get to a point where we can look back on this time, that motherfuckers go, yo, that project was really dope because I see that it started what he was turning into. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's one of those projects for me. To where this project is almost like a, if introducing me was the introduction and Marcellus was the um, sophomore show of, look, this is what my full set looks like. This is the first time where I didn't get to run a set 400 times before I shot it. You know what I mean? I didn't get to get the rhythm down by doing hours every weekend and all that shit. That wasn't available, dog. This is the first time in a long time where I had to take material that I, I didn't completely test. I didn't completely finish. There's certain jokes that I did there that I think about now. I go, man, I want to go back and record that, add this, add that. But no, we can do that later. Yeah. Guess what, motherfuckers? You get to see the combination of three hours worth of work, right? What I mean by that is we, we showed up here at six, or I showed up here at four. I thought we were going to start at four. We showed up here at four. We left this bitch at midnight, all right? I started the first set. I said, hey, light me at a certain time. Nobody lit me. By the time I looked up, we are 55 minutes in, and I'm like, I'm looking around going, bullshit, there's no way. Everybody's like, no, no, we have 15, 55 minutes in. I'm like, there's no way. I don't believe you, right? We do the second one. I think that came back an hour and change. Then they set up this dope microphone in here, man. They set up the dope, dopest microphone I've ever worked in front of, like the Billie Holiday kind of shit. Yeah, the old Sinatra mic. Yeah, man. They set up the old Sinatra mic, right? Because I was doing it. I was doing stand-up the regular way. Just had a microphone. They set up a bunch of cameras, and I'm delivering jokes to those, right? And... I do those the first two times, and then they set up the um, Frank Sinatra mic. And Scott, God bless him, I ain't never seen nothing this cool. The fucking mic, I found out later, cost like $16,000, which is insane. And I'm fucking, I'm going to show you the pictures. Man, we got the going. They set that shit up, and it felt really good. You know what I mean? And then by the time I got to the closing joke for that set, and I asked them how much time I did. Dog, that shit was an hour and a half. <laughs> you know what I mean? You just did it. So it was a beautiful feeling. And I don't know if I've ever been more nervous doing anything. So that's how I know that this project is worth something because of how nervous it made me. That That's beautiful. I love when people tell me how nervous they get. Yeah. Because that... I mean, you just don't give a shit. I, of course I give a shit. The day you stop getting nervous is the day you should stop. Well, yeah, you should stop. And also because I know this will get judged. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because it's so different. Dog, I'm delivering jokes to no crowd. You know what I mean? But I think the way that we did it, I think it'll resonate. And I hope that the people that I'm looking for resonate with it. Because if you don't like the shit, I'm not looking for you. I don't much care about that. But the folks that appreciate that type of shit, that appreciate that type of humor. The thing I did about the, um, basically that point that I made about the cops, about the duality of the situation, how your heart and mind can feel two very different ways. I go into that on this one. You know what I mean? And it's not the standard um, joke setup punchline form. But if you actually give me a chance to listen to that shit, 
and pull your politics out of it, you'll laugh. Because I think you'll understand that the example is being made so you can understand the severity. Yeah. You know what I mean? I wanted to do some shit where I could put my heart into certain bits, you know what I mean? Which is what that aesthetic was for. It's the reason that we had the, um, the Sinatra mic and all that. Because at first it was going to be just me delivering my jokes regular and then certain jokes that were a little deeper and maybe a little darker. We'd cut to the um, Sinatra mic and the darked out backdrop and all that shit. But after we shot an hour and a half with that, it's like, nah, let's let the whole thing be this. Yeah, okay. So, I'm curious to see what the final project, what the final product comes out like, but I'm super excited. I'm super nervous. I'm super all the emotions, man. When we were done, I felt amazing. I gave it a day, and then it was like, oh, I want to go back and do this, that, and the third. I want to redo this, that, and the third. Yeah. And then it's like, nah, nigga, we got it. We got it. You got all the fucking material that you could want to um put down for that, so... I can't wait to see what it comes out like. I can and can't wait to see how motherfuckers respond to it. And I hope that um I hope that it's positive. You know what I'm saying? I hope that people enjoy it. Well, I'm sure they're going to, Nico. I know I was I was kind of talking with you and Mike beforehand and I was mm-hmm. extremely confident in in you and him and whatever the final product does come out to be, I'm sure it's gonna be great. And I'm looking mm-hmm. forward to seeing it as well i hope i get to see get to be one of those first 10 to see yeah you can be one uh, first 10 maybe maybe we'll have a screening in here or something but yeah, yeah sure I'm, I'm looking forward to it uh look listen every time you come on this podcast there's always something i want to talk about mm-hmm. and then we just get to talk and the next yeah. thing you know it's like well i guess till next time uh but real quick you are now part of the paper house network i'm a part of the paper house network baby i have a new podcast and it's called one piece of mind and it's about the greatest Japanese anime, the greatest manga, One Piece by Ichirio Oda. So, what my podcast is, it's me coming in, diving deep into the anime world, fam, the manga world. And I hope you guys are joining me with that, right? And the reason I say that is because One Piece is an expansive series, dog. It's very expansive. And I appreciate um, you folks, and I appreciate Paper House. Let me come on. You know what I mean? I got to bring my podcast here. You all have been super supportive. And there's more episodes coming soon. So I hope that you guys check it out only on the Paper House Network. Oh, isn't he the best? Isn't he the best, folks? He knows. This is why he's part of the network, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. He just cut that promo. No rehearsal. Yeah. Nailed it in one take. Yeah. Uh, one Piece of Mind with Nico White. It's anime. I don't know anything about anime, but I'm actually excited to get to know a little bit about it because uh, your podcast is so cool. Anyway. I feel like we'll be at a Comic-Con in no time soon. Can't wait. And I don't want to be the only guy there that doesn't know anything about anime. And and I'm singing in the intro, which is already ridiculous. There so you. Is gotta come you gotta come listen to that sets the tone already he's singing get this frank you're really you're gonna turn into frank sinatra dog i'm telling you i i'm 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 switching up stepping all the way out my comfort zone (laughs) every time i hear that uh one i'm like oh god oh god because it's so not my usual energy but it also is so ah i love it but it's fun man I'm, i'm glad to be able to have some form of fun throughout all this shit yeah yeah, you know man, what I mean? You got, you got to. You got to have fun. You got to remember what you like and what you don't like. And yeah. if it's, you know, 
Look, the World Series, we talked about it. I think we need to continue to talk about it. Continue to talk about it, we can it, also fam. have fun, too. We can yes. also enjoy each other. Enjoy each other. Enjoy each is. other. And I hope if you motherfuckers didn't learn anything throughout this entire pandemic, not, nothing matters. Nothing. Your opinion don't matter. If you don't like some shit, go find your favorite thing and consume that. All right? Stop being shitty people. Stop being shitty people. Okay? Your opinions are not facts. And even if they are, you don't have to shove them down people's throat. Okay? We become a society of motherfuckers that are way too passive. And I'm not talking about nothing to do with the cops. I live in New York City. They, uh, somebody attempted to rape somebody, and the motherfucker almost did it because people were recording it with their phones. The push is still perfectly legal. Push that motherfucker. Yeah. All right. Don't push record. Push Don't the push record. Push the person. Yeah. Yep. I agree with you, but that's a whole nother episode. That's a whole other episode. Whole another episode. Nico, thanks for coming in, man. I, uh, I I love talking to you. Nick, the pleasure was mine, whether, brother. Whether we push record or not, I always love talking with you. Always. And I look forward to all your future future projects and whatnot coming down the pipeline. So that was an episode of the New York Comedy Club podcast brought to you by Paperhouse Network. Woo. We will see you next time. See you next time. Thanks for listening to the New York Comedy Club podcast. Make sure you like, subscribe, share, and leave a comment. And for tickets to the club, check out newyorkcomedyclub.com.